The Introvert's Edge podcast was designed to create a dialogue around introversion, to stimulate a discussion around our disadvantages, how we overcome those disadvantages, and what we consider our introvert's edge. Together, we're finally going to confront the stigma around introversion, showing that we're not second-class citizens. We're just different, and we need to embrace that. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Introverts Edge podcast. I have to say, I'm ecstatic about welcoming our next guest, mainly because we had the best conversation before this interview even, because Tyrona Heath has the most impeccable resume. I mean, she's worked with Google, she's worked with Nestle, she's worked with IBM, she's worked with LinkedIn for almost a decade. She is part of well, she's part of the Black Inclusion Group at LinkedIn. She's founded the Transform You group that, you know, is a conference that supports black women. It's unbelievable how much she's achieved. On top of that, she's part of the American Advertising Federation. And if that wasn't enough, she's also qualified for the Olympics twice. So, I mean, this person has a resume that just goes on and on and on. And yes, she is an introvert. And I am, I'm just blown away at the conversation we've had just leading into this. And she has a story about a lineup of introverts to extroverts that's going to horrify you. So I can't wait to jump into this. But Ty, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us on the Introverts Edge podcast. Thanks for having me. Now, I'm really interested about really diving into your own personal story because, I mean, firstly, a lot of the tests that you've done kind of start to classify you as that ambivert now because everybody's trying to get everybody to to not be introverted, right? Because that's the, that's the disease that we're all trying to help people get out of. Drives me nuts. But what I would love to just understand from yourself because your own personal journey is really interesting, especially as you kind of came into the world of speaking and, you know, your energy and, and how you draw your energy. I'd love for you to just... For those people that are like, wow, this person, she's very articulate, everyone, so you're going to, have to discover that. For those people that are hearing you for the first time, help them understand your kind of own you know, introverted journey and path to speaking on stages and, and being the influential person you are. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much again. And um, what you said about, you know, the, the classification of ambivert that's now being become, and people not willing to say I am an introvert potentially because of what it means. Uh, I think I, part of sharing my journey is also sharing that the journey in my mind was a journey of accepting myself for who I am, for everything I am and everything I'm not, right? We all have ways of being. Some of those came from the things we had to do to survive and make it. But there are also some like fundamental things that I'm now very comfortable in my skin um, that I've come to accept about how I like to work, how I like to show up, the way I like to have relationships with people. And I'm excited to say that those things are perfectly fine. <laughs> and I want everybody else to feel the same way that I feel about those things. If you can get to that space, it's a very peaceful space. Uh, but, um, you know, I grew up in uh, upstate New York, uh, between upstate New York and the island of Jamaica. Uh, my parents are were from Jamaica. I was born in the United States. And um, I, my sisters and I were the only black children or, of, of, within the school, pretty much. Um, so grew up between the two spaces, feeling very much like I didn't fully belong, I would say. 
Um, so that I think was a huge part of growing up um, and not quite feeling like you fit in. And if you can imagine as a child or someone trying to make your way, trying to make friends and kind of being like the odd person in each environment, uh, it, it means that you, you're doing a lot of, you're doing a lot of thinking. There's a lot of pressure uh, to, to fit in. And so that was a journey in itself, you know, just, you know, learning how to sometimes just be by yourself, trying to suss out, you know, who could be a friend to you? You know, who, who could honor being friends with someone that's very different than perhaps the people, the other people they surrounded themselves with. So I became uh, very comfortable being uncomfortable, uh, doing a lot of thinking. I spent a lot of time writing and reading. Uh, I do think that even if it weren't that way growing up, I would still have been the same type of child. Um, my mom would take my sisters and I to the library. And you know those big brown grocery bags that you get? Not the small ones, the large ones. I would fill that up to the brim with books, um, get home, go to my room, shut the door, and go and just keep reading. And that was heaven for me. And um, I wish I had the same kind of time to be able to do that. I just, that is really a happy place for me. Um, I spent a lot of time writing stories, um, synthesizing ideas, even as a child. Um, you know, I liked talking one-on-one -on -one with my sister or like the few friends that I did have. Um, that was really precious to me. Uh, the thing that I think really started to open me up uh, was being involved in track and field. So if you know Jamaicans, you know we love track and field. Um, literally grew up going to the track, my dad would take me down there and show me how to get out of the blocks. And, you know, uh, it was just a huge part of my life. And uh, track is an indivi a pretty individual sport compared to other sports. But in the training together with people, the, you know, there is a team. And I think um, that is a huge, a huge part of uh, you know, sparking confidence, um, discipline, getting accomplishments, um, winning. Um, these things, you know, opened me up. They also um, became ways for me to connect with other people who were in similar spaces. And uh, the fact that we had relays, which was like one of my favorite part of it, that you have a team. Um, so that was a huge point of connection in terms of opening me up um, to connecting with more people. But, um, you know, I think a couple more things. Um, I have two sisters. I always say I have two sisters. One passed away when I was 16 from the age of 12 to 16. Um, she, so she had cancer. So she had to be away to get chemotherapy. So um, I think what a picture of painting here is I was by myself quite a bit and that I had to grow up pretty quickly. Um, I think it, um, you know, afforded me the opportunity to really practice compassion and empathy. I had to be more attuned. Uh, I had to be more attuned as a black woman or as a black child growing up in a space that wasn't designed for me to be successful. I had to watch and learn and listen 
and be able to read people's expressions. And so I would say, I mean, and again, I, I, I'm not saying these things coming from a space of feel bad for me, because I think a lot of these things fueled my success today. And a lot of them, I would say, are connected to the superpowers that I have and why I've been able to be successful today. Uh, I think that you can look at any challenge or any uncomfortable situation as a growth opportunity. So, uh, you know, that's that was a little bit about my journey kind of growing up. But I think um, these are the same things that have helped me uh, with my entrepreneurial journey, um, with corporate, being able to listen to what people are saying, be attuned to, to what they need, um, really thinking about how the words I'm speaking land with other people. Uh, thinking about how you can inspire and motivate people uh, when things are difficult. Thinking about how to keep people united as a team and what individually motivates people. Um, these are all things that I've learned and I wouldn't change a thing. I mean, obviously there's some bad things in there. I wish I, I, wish I still had my little sister. But um, the experience, um, you know, the challenge of it is what I appreciate Overall, the I you know can't undo it. We go through what we go through, but the context I'm choosing to look at it in is that uh, not one of disempowerment, but one that I was able to grow from. Thank you so much for sharing that that inspiring story. I I think that for a lot of people listening, they they need to really hear that message because a lot of people kind of limit themselves in a way where they say these adversities mean I can't succeed. And for every successful person that I've met, usually it's those adversities that seed the success of their future. And they they use those adversities to also empower others to do the same. And I've, you know, I'm wondering the connection because of that empathy that that's created for you with the Transform Her conference and the Black Inclusion, Inclusion Group that you have at LinkedIn. How have you seen your ability or to see those problems that other people are having and break, helping them break through those limitations. I, you know, we had Jerry Bingham on, on the podcast and she talked about it through the lens of being a, a, a woman of color and the introversion and how all of those kind of interplay. And I'm, I'm just thinking about the conversation we had privately before this episode where you kind of highlighted that it's tough sometimes for, for people when you think about all of these different combinations of diversity all packed into a single person yeah yes um it, it i feel th these things very deeply let's start there i when i see um people and given what i've experienced it allows me to tap more deeply into what it is like to stand in the shoes of someone else who might be going through something similar to what I'm experiencing and even to identify and put myself in the shoes of people that I don't have shared identity with. Um, you know, one of the things that you realize, like whenever you go to a movie, for example, you're sitting and watching the movie, it's a story and there's a main character and they go through their journey. And for that time that you're watching the movie, you are able to feel what that person is, is going through. And I think that when you listen to people's stories, um, you know, if, if you have, um, you know, the compassion and empathy at a minimum, 
you want to help them somehow, you know, you want to acknowledge the fact that they're dealing with, or you could step out on a bigger ledge and actually take action and do something about it. And so I couldn't not do something. Um, the, what I see, um, you know, and there's still a lot of work to do when it comes to uh, have creating equitable spaces for people. Um, what I what I saw is that um, we oftentimes in corporate spaces, whether tag or other industries, might be the only person of color on a particular team, maybe the only woman in some cases. So there's an isolation. Um, there is uh, sometimes circumstances where people don't always immediately acknowledge and recognize your value because of bias, which is unavoidable for us as human beings. Everybody, whenever you see somebody, you immediately start creating a story about who they are, perhaps associated with whatever stories that already exist out in the world about that person. And so there's a reality to people who have multiple intersectional identities and to the what that means for them to move around in the world. And a lot of times, and thinking about this topic of introversion, specifically, um, our culture, and by culture, I mean in the United States, um, honors, celebrates, exalts, <laughs> rewards uh, extroverted behavior. You know, and then if you think about the other intersectional identities, um, there are certain stereotypes and biases that come with being a woman. There are certain stereotypes and biases that come with being a black person. And so if you're a introverted black women, woman, uh, or, you know, layer on whatever you want to layer on, you know, these are intersectional identities you share and have to navigate through. Uh, so I created Transform Her to bring together women of color across tech into a space where maybe you're the only one at your company, but now at this event, you are able to make connections with other women of color and active allies who are also in the space that can, through the stories told at the event, can see and understand what it's like to stand in your shoes and therefore you can have the support, the connections and uh, the, the thinking and the regard that you need to make progress. And so that's really the intent of the event is to really help people feel less alone and more connected and also not like you're going crazy in an environment where that really wasn't designed for you. I think that's really powerful. You know, we interviewed uh, one of the senior leaders at uh, the American Heart Association. They created a support group just for introverts as well. And it was amazing to see how liberating that was for so many of the members. And I I feel that especially as we're getting into all types of diversity, including you know cognitive diversity, it, it's so vitally important to embrace that. But I, as I'm doing this, the classifications worry me, and I don't. I understand, and I I can only assume what it is like to for a lot of different biases. But I've seen firsthand where they 
that where HR professionals feel that they're doing an introverted person a favor by protecting them from any form of leadership role and keeping them in a copywriting job or not considering them for certain roles because of the unconscious bias of believing that poor Sarah can't do that because she's introverted or we won't put her in that position where she can be set up to fail. And as I'm thinking about that, I am remembering almost wanting to vomit when you told me about a thing that happened at an event um, that you were at uh, recently, which found like something that would have only happened in like a prisoner of war camp <laughs> in my mind. So I, I thought, I, look, would you mind just elucidating that? I'm sure the person was, was really well-intentioned, but the effect that you found as a person with high empathy, that what you saw happen to the people in the room. Yeah, there was, it was cringe, a cringeworthy moment for me. Um, and I can only, like, as you said, I'm certain this was a well-intentioned thing. You know, you take, in this uh, program I was in, we had to take one of these sort of personality tests. Um, I don't I don't think it was Myers-Briggs, um, something of that nature. We had to take a test and um, we had the results of the test in our hand in, the, in an event. And we were asked to stand in a line from level of introversion all the way to level of extroversion so it was like degree of introversion to extroversion please line up by your by that and so all of the participants um spanned across the room and i if i felt uh just uncomfortable and i couldn't help but think you know what is the intent here um i what we're what we're talking about a lot of these labels and things that we use to kind of make sense of the world and i think people do this because we want to control things we try to do things to help us feel like we can manage uncertainty or but uh, these are constructs um if we, if we get down to it but they are very real for people and um you know i don't i don't think that if, if your goal is to honor and respect the different skills that come from each person's different way of being and showing up, that that is the right way to go about bringing those things out, especially since there was nothing said to address that it's perfectly fine to be standing in one end of the room, the middle of the room, or the other end of the room, and perhaps what could come from the lens or the experience or the skill of what each person and at each end of the scale, you know, could contribute. So I, that was, it was tough. It was tough to take in. Yeah, I can imagine. And I remember you kind of saying that the person on the high end of the extroversion scale was standing there from a sense of pride where the person on the far end of the introversion scale was almost standing standing with a sense of shame kind of crouched over and yet yeah from a performance perspective depending on the job function the certain skills that they had acquired through life that person on the far end crouched in shame might have been the highest performer in you know their organization and you just you, you don't know this arbitrary classification is it's horrific right. yeah we're all in the room for a reason you know, let's be, let's start there. Yeah. Um, yeah, but absolutely. The person on the extroverted side of the room was jumping out of their skin and the other person was sort of 
a, you know, a little like silent kind of standing very still uh, on the end, other end. And, you know, I think you, the exercise also didn't honor um, how, like it, just even thinking about the structure of like, of the exercise overall. If you're someone who needs to, it doesn't mean you're shy. Let's be clear. We've, we've, we've talked about this. It doesn't mean that you don't want to socialize or you don't, it, but you know, these events don't always consider creating spaces or thinking about um, how to honor people who maybe identify as more introverted, who perhaps need space to energize, recharge, or who want to connect in more intimate spaces. No, that's right. That's that, that that's a really important point. I think for a lot of people listening though, and I just, I'm hoping to steal your expertise from other arenas because you you have lobbied for women of color. Uh, well, you've lobbied for people of color, you've lobbied for women. And for a lot of people, these are dangerous territories to talk about, to have open dialogues about because they don't understand them. And I feel like introversion is just another thing that people don't understand and they're scared to bring it up. And I'm thinking back to conversations of that I've had where people think the desired effect is to get out of that condition of introversion and find their way into to extroversion. And I feel that you have a different lens that you might be able to add value here. For those leaders that are like, okay, I want to have an open conversation where people don't see introversion as a positive or a negative, or extroversion for that matter as a positive or a negative, uh, but I want to help kind of lean into everybody's strengths and also make sure everybody understands they can achieve, what advice would you give them to perhaps create a safe place for an open dialogue and not make anybody feel less than, but also create a, a place where they can fill those skills gaps and create a really successful dynamic team? Yeah. If you are trying to, like the keyword is team. And if you're trying to create a strong team, imagine having only one type of player yeah. on your team. One type. Yeah. You know, you only have a center, you know, basketball, right? Yeah. You have one play. Like you really can't do anything with that. It's really difficult to advance. And so um, what leadership is, part of being a leader is looking at each player, each person you have, and thinking about how do I create the strongest possible team? How do I balance uh, where we're weak? How do I strengthen where we need to be strong? And a lot of times that means drawing from different types of people. And it is inside the even creative tension of disagreement that with people that have different lenses, they bring that to the table, that the strongest possible ideas, you know, that the decisions that maybe need to be made are going to be the strongest possible decisions because they've been vetted and seen, that you have people to do various things within your team playing together. You know, so maybe it's one person who's do, who's doing a particular task and then somebody else is, is taking it. Think about it like a relay, a track and field relay. You're passing the baton. Each person plays their part in delivering. So um, I think in our culture that celebrates extroversion, we often lose sight of some of the amazing skills that introverts have. Um, listening, um, you know, the diligence and preparation. I'm again, not saying that extroverts don't do this, but I'm saying these are the, you know, building, um, having deep conversations 
to really understand what someone needs. To, um, you know, I think for me, um, I, the way I sell is really through ideas, is through relationship building, and it's really through depth. And it's through depth that trust can open up. And that's one way to do it. And there's also folks that we need to be social and have fun and have a great time. And we like to do that too. But we may need a break <laughs> as well. You know? So I just, I just think it's just acknowledging and, and really taking the time to understand and value the people that you have and don't overlook people who are listening um, more than they talk. Don't overlook the, the, the person who needs to step away yeah. because they need to recharge their energy. I think that's a really powerful message. And, you know, I've, I'm, I'm ecstatic that you started to open the door to, to the conversation around sales because for those people, by the way, that haven't registered for the Introverted Seller Summit yet, I would absolutely do that because Ty is going to be on there and we're going to go a little bit deeper into the, the sales strategies and the sales advice. But I'm also ecstatic that you started to talk about the introverted strengths and like the fact of the matter is, and I know Ty, you were very focused on making sure this wasn't an extra bashing session. And as you know, I, I don't see, there's no, to me, there's nothing wrong with being extroverted or introverted. They're just, people have different skills gaps. And for me, I want to see that introverts realize they can achieve anything that they want. They're not limitations, they're skills gaps, just like an extrovert that perhaps doesn't listen and doesn't empathize well. A HR professional will say, go get coaching. You can fix that. We need people to see introverts the same way. We have our skills gaps. And that doesn't mean you need to want to be a sales professional. It doesn't mean you want to speak from stage, but it also does mean you can if you choose to. And because of that, I, I want to really bring back to this. I ask this question at the end of every interview, and that is, I believe that there is such a stigma around introversion and people forget about the strengths that we have that really define our success. If you could pick one strength that you have that you could consider your introvert's edge, what would it be? I love listening to complex ideas um, from all over the place and synthesizing them and making them simple and accessible and easy to understand. Uh, that happens because I do spend a lot of time in my head thinking about things quietly, walking around, staring off into space or at the wall. It's really because I am thinking and I'm putting things together and I'm alone uh, doing that or with a few people just kind of bouncing things around. Um, so uh, that's an edge I would not give up. Um, it's 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 quite remarkable. I. I have to agree with you. I mean, synthesis, I would say, is one of my greatest skills. And so many, I was talking to Siobhan from Salesforce uh, just the other day, and she said this, a similar thing. She said she gets lost in the shower. Her showers are way too long sometimes. <laughs> and it's just because of, she's had an idea, but she brings that idea back to her organization with depth of thought. And I'm always reminded of Richard Branson kind of saying, any idiot can make something sound complicated. It takes an expert to make it sound simple. And I think synthesis is by far one of the most powerful things on that. Look, I feel like I could interview you for another hour. I, I'm glad that I get to interview you again for the Introverted Seller Summit. But for today, if people have just heard of you for the first time and perhaps they are a, a, a woman of color or perhaps just something that you said inspired them, where can people find out more information about you? Yeah, so you know what I'm gonna say. Connect with me on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> 
So definitely connect with me there. I'm also Tyrone Heath on Instagram as well. That's that's perfect. Absolutely did not see that coming. But uh, <laughs> for those people listening, thank you so much for joining us on the Introverts Edge podcast. We so look forward to seeing you on the next episode. We'll see you next time. Cheers. Thank you. I'm Matthew Pollard, the author of The Introverts Edge to Networking. I'm on a mission to help introverts to be proud of who we are. For the first time, you'll learn a process for networking that feels comfortable and authentic to you as an introvert. A process that doesn't feel salesy or awkward in any way. I saw at least half of my board members, three in particular that I can think of, that now are so comfortable in literally going up to people at events, all of a sudden I can see the confidence. Most of the networking books and literature out there really focus on hardcore tactics designed for extroverts. As introverts, we're different and we need to embrace that. We need a system that allows us to channel our natural introverted strengths into the networking room. You will learn how to be successful at face-to-face -face networking and a masterful online networker on your terms. It's beautifully written and it provides tremendous value. So I, I, I am honored to, to say, folks, if you haven't looked at the book, you really need to check out this guy's book. It's, it's excellent. It gives you that confidence to truly be yourself, knowing that you're gonna be presenting yourself in a way that is authentic and will also really resonate with the person that you're talking with. One of the things you'll love about the Introverts Edge to Networking is it's jam-packed full of more than 20 stories of introverts just like you. People that have likely started in much tougher spots than where you are right now and how they've leveraged the strategies that you'll be learning to obtain phenomenal career and small business success. I was about to give up on my business. The results started coming in right away. In fact, a year later, the Chamber of Commerce awarded me the business of the year. <laughs> you need to go read his book because everything he does is what people need whether they're an introvert or not. I've been fortunate to receive endorsements from some exceptional introverts like Neil Patel and Ivan Meisner, the founder of the world's largest networking group, BNI. What I love about the Introvert's Edge is that it talks about the things that make an introvert successful. The Introvert's Edge to Networking is going to destroy all of the barriers that you have around whether success in networking is possible for you. Now I'm up to kind of five figures, you know, triple my prices or more. It was like the deals just kept coming in and coming in and it, I mean, it was incredible. Like I had never seen anything like it before. I was able to triple my revenue and that's happened within six months. We've gone from 10 million a year to 20 million a year. I wrote The Introvert's Edge to networking after the success of the first in the Introvert's Edge series, which focused on sales. I decided that it was just as important, perhaps even more so, that we had a networking book that was designed to help us as introverts dominate in the networking room and in online networking that was specifically written for us. So if you're an introvert, don't delay. Head to theintrovertsedge.com forward slash networking to get access to the first chapter of my new book completely for free today.